worthy of all of our praise, worthy of all of the glory and the honor that he deserves. The very God who died on a cross for you and me. Amen. Truly, he's worthy with nobody beside him. Amen. I'm thankful for God today. I'm thankful for a God who found me where I was. Who picked me up on my feet and set me on a rock. Amen. I'm thankful for a God who looked down and saw me in all the mess that I was in and still believed in me and still saw strength in me and still saw potential in me even when I didn't deserve it, even when I should have been left alone. Amen. He's a good God. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and get into the message this morning that I feel on my heart. John, the 10th chapter, the 7th verse. He says, And then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. Say thieves and robbers. Amen. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door, and by me if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. And the thief, say the thief, cameth not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Mighty God, we ask you this morning, God, that you would bless each and every one in this house today. God, we ask you to help me to deliver these words, God, that, you've, that you want or desire your people to hear today. God, we love you. We adore you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. You can be seated this morning. This week, I was at uh, my classroom and uh, as I usually do on a daily basis, I asked my students to turn in some work for me. And I was collecting the work when this young man, he comes up to me and he looks at me and he says, Mr. Landry, I don't have the work to turn into you and I want to know if I can explain to you why. And I said, well, did you not get it done? He says, yeah, but there's a reason why. And I said, well, okay. Well, tell me why. And all of a sudden, tears begin to run down his eyes. And he says, can we step outside? And I said, sure. We go and we step outside. And he proceeds to tell me that him and his family or his mom and his dad got into a big argument. And they were screaming at one another. And they're shouting at one another. And, and they're yelling. And his dad and mom made a statement that they want to get a divorce. And he said that he couldn't even focus on his work because all he could do was hear the screaming and the bickering and the back and forth argument. And as tears began to run down his eyes as he was telling me this, I felt compassion on, and I felt the need to, I wanted to do something for him. And I knew that there was very limited things that I could do for him. And I said, listen, don't worry about it. Why don't you take your time and go ahead and take the weekend, take however much time you need, and get it turned into me whenever you can. He breaks down and he's crying. He looks at me and he says, don't you believe in God? And I said, yes, I do. And he says, can you just make sure that you pray for me? And I said, absolutely, I can pray for you. You see... A lot of times we look at people or we look at situations and although everything looks good on the outside, everything looks like it should be in place, like he should have been able to turn in his assignments. Little did I know what was going on behind closed doors. Little did I know that it doesn't matter your age. The devil still fights people. The devil still fights our children. The devil still fights and, and torments and, and tries to get people to lose their mind. Because if he can get them to lose their mind and their ability to think, he can confuse them and get them to go down the wrong path. Amen. Luke, the 10th chapter and the 25th verse says this. He says, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and he tempted him saying, Master, 
what shall I do to inherit the kingdom or eternal life? And he said unto him, what is written in the law? How are you going to read it? You see, Jesus proposed the question to him. And you got to understand, this was a lawyer, a man who was educated, stood up and asked Christ. And the Bible says he was tempting him. In other words, he was taunting him. Well, what, what do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of God? What's my role in all this? And the Lord asks him and says, what's written in the law? He knew that he knew what was written in the law. Amen. How do you read it? And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And you need to love your neighbor as yourself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. Jesus looks at the man and he says, You're pretty smart. That's exactly right. Amen. And do, and this do, and thou shalt live. But he willingly, to justify himself, said, Jesus. So he, he, he all of a sudden steps back and, and has to, hold on. There's more I want to add to this. There's more of myself that I need to show what I know and where I'm at. So to justify himself, the Bible says, he said, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now you need to understand during this time, most of the time, they had people in their, in their village who lived among them who was typically the same, came from the same descendants or came from the same uh, lineage. And so a lot of times their neighbor was oftentimes a family member or some type of family relative that was along the same bloodline. But this man looks at Jesus and says, who's my neighbor? And Jesus simply answers him and said this. He said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when they saw him, they passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, or excuse me, and likewise a Levite, when he was also at the place, he came and looked on him and he passed by on the other side. The Bible says a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds and poured in oil and wine. And he set him on his own, his own beast and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. And when the morrow came, he departed and took Two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, Jesus asks, which of these three thinkest thou was the neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And of course, as wise as this lawyer was, as wise as this man was, he looks at him and he said, well, of course, he said, he that showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said unto him, go your way and do likewise. Go your way and do likewise. Now, if we examine this story, we have to understand this was a very unique situation because it was a time when and, and again, this is a very common story. We've all probably heard it before. We've read this story several times and and perhaps there's been times where we've been able to place ourselves in the shoes of all three different characters. Perhaps we have been able to put ourselves in the position where we see ourselves as the priest or the Levite. And we have passed by people because perhaps we feel like we don't have the resources or the necessity to help a person. Perhaps we feel like we don't have what it takes to get somebody else out of the mess that they're in. Perhaps we feel like they aren't worth our time. Perhaps we feel like it's better off if we keep our distance from somebody else. And so we often pass by an opportunity that perhaps we could have helped somebody. And yes, there are those times when it is scary to help somebody. It is, it is, 
intimidating to go out of your way and, and try to do something different or try to do something that's out of the norm. Because it can be scary. It can be, it can be intimidating when, especially if that person is somebody that you look up to or somebody that you respect or somebody that maybe holds a higher position than you or perhaps you don't know them very well. Perhaps they're the person who lives next door and you just never really formed a relationship with them that well. And so it can be intimidating to go out of your way and to try to help that person. And you see, we've all been in that place or we've all seen ourselves in the position of possibly passing by somebody or passing by an opportunity. But you got to understand the priests and the Levites. You see, the issue for the priests and the Levites would have been the matter of cleanliness. It would have been a matter of the fact that the Jewish law considered corpses to be very unclean. It considered the idea that when a man was half dead or, or could have been half dead, that he was likely bleeding. And these men would have had to decide between keeping themselves pure for the temple or the sacrifice purity or helping their neighbor and obviously they ranked purity higher than helping their comrade and there was a purpose perhaps why they passed by see a lot of times we look at at this situation and we're like wow they're just rude people they're they're no good for nothings right they're they're the type of people that don't care about nobody and perhaps they were justified in their approach However, the fact that their intentions were right did not make it appropriate because it wasn't a balanced approach. It wasn't something that they really thought through. There's, there's not a one of us that would justify going out and robbing a store with our buddy so that we could witness to somebody about Jesus. It just typically doesn't happen. We don't justify going out with somebody who's doing or involved in some type of sin or some type of situation that could get us in trouble and justify it based on the idea that, well, I just wanted to go out. I wanted to be next to them so I could witness to them. You know, I had to talk to them about Jesus. And, you know, they're going to rob that store, but I figured I'd carry a gun because, you know, I'm going to go with them. That's the best thing I can do, right? I mean, I've got to witness sometime, and if they're robbing stores all the time, I've got to get out there with them. Probably not a good idea, right? We would all agree that that's probably not a good idea. And at the same time, we can talk about how oftentimes we can find those people who have that holier-than-thou attitude where we won't even talk to somebody unless they've been in the prayer room a minimum of three hours. You know, probably would do some of us good, probably. But the idea is, is that it's those same kind of people that walk around and they, and, and they think that everything that happens is divine orchestration of God. They can bend over and pick up a flower and obviously God intended that to happen because, you know, a bullet might have flown by and shot them in the head and that would have been terrible. That life has a sequence of events that everything's worked out and everything happens for a reason. But the reality is, is that although it might not hurt to be very cautious or to be very optimistic about everything that we do, and, and obviously we want to we make sure that everything that we do aligns to the Word of God, we have to have a balanced approach. We have to make sure that it isn't so far out of the reach of, of the norm that we will never reach anybody. And I think this is why Jesus took the time to say, look, I'm a friend of publicans and I'm a friend of sinners. You see, he understood that they had a need. That they were in a situation that he could help them out. And so it is with us that if we have friends or people who we are around, we have to have a balanced approach so that we can truly witness to somebody or truly speak to somebody about Christ. To truly reach them, not just be their friend, 
but to be able to connect with them in a way that will lead them to Christ or that would lead them to God. Amen. And so we can see how it might be that we would find ourselves in the shoes of the priests or the Levites because we might feel inappropriately equipped to help another person. You may feel or we may feel that there's no way that we could help somebody else or that there's no way that we could connect or that there's no resources that we have to benefit another party. And so sometimes we just pass by. Sometimes we take the easy road and we just, you know, they're our friend at work and we're not really going to talk about Jesus. We're not really going to go there because, well, I don't, want to, I don't want it to be inconvenient. I don't want it to be awkward. And so we never put ourselves in a position of being able to reach out to somebody. And so we felt, and so we have put ourselves in a position of, of never really being able to, to connect with somebody. And so again, we pass by on the other side. And no doubt there's been times in our life where we were in the shoes of the other man who we saw ourselves as a good Samaritan who perhaps did stop to help somebody. And we've been that strong help in somebody's life. Every single one of us have probably been that person who has stopped in the prayer room for somebody else. Who has said, I refuse I refuse to let heaven go until something changes in this person's life. I refuse to stop praying until something changes in this person's life. And perhaps you've been that person who's extended your finances, who's extended your ability to talk to them, extended your shoulder that they could lean on, and you've extended everything that you can to that person in order to reach them. Not just physically, not just emotionally, but spiritually, you've extended yourself so that you could be there for them. And so you see yourself as the good Samaritan. And so you have both sides of a story. You have, you have where you've been the person who's passed by somebody feeling inadequate to help them. And you've been the other person on the other side of the room who's been there to help a person. And both sides have benefits. Both sides have a reason and a purpose. Both sides have an explanation. But in every instance, we have to ask ourselves, was it balanced? Was it, was it the correct direction that I should have gone? Was it in line with the word of God? Because everything that we do in life has to be aligned to the word of God. It doesn't matter if, if, if we think we're right. The Bible says that, um, in, that a man thinketh he's right in his own heart. Right? But he could be completely wrong. His intentions may be right, but his heart is deceitfully wicked. And so we can see how we can be on both sides. And we can be that person who's the good Samaritan. We can be that Levite. But if you're the good Samaritan, no doubt you have felt the blessing of what it is to walk in the shoes of the good Samaritan. You know what it's like to be able to give. You know what it's like to be able to love somebody without expectation of something else in return. You know what it's like to be able to just be there for somebody who needs support or needs love. And no doubt, and you guys, don't get me wrong, every single one of us ought to be a good Samaritan. Every single one of us ought to be somebody who's reaching out for another person and says, I'm going to be there for you through the good, through the bad, through the, through the right, through the wrong. You're, we're going to pray. We're going to make sure something happens and something changes. Because people need people. That's just reality. In fact, they say that if a person stays alone too long, that they will lose their mind. If they isolate themselves from somebody else, they will lose their mind. And so we have to be willing to go out and help other people because there is a blessing in doing it. There is a blessing in being able to give back to somebody else. But today I want to give you a new thought. 
And, and, and my message title for this is Where He Found Me. Where He Found Me. Because today I want to I take this story in a completely different direction than most of us talk about. You see, have you ever seen yourself as a good Samaritan in the story? Have you ever seen yourself as somebody who passes by? But a more important question is, have you ever seen yourself as the one who was robbed and broken and beaten and laying on the ground? There are times when we are a Levite. And we do our best to balance our approach with, with how we're going to address things. And there are times when we are a good Samaritan and we have that blessing in life to be able to help somebody else. But there are also times in our life when life seems to beat us down. And the thief came but, not to, but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so he leaves us broken and hurt laying on the ground. Broken and destroyed in a situation that we felt like there was possibly opportunity for us to succeed. And we find ourselves laying on the ground. And so have you ever seen yourself as the helpless man who was left to die? You see, I know where Jesus found me. Amen. Have you ever seen yourself in a position where you feel like you were left half dead? Or half dead. You felt like, man, this situation has torn, torn me down so much that I don't feel like I can go on. I don't feel like I can continue. But you need to know that it is likely today that somebody has come to church today looking for some kind of answer. It is likely that somebody came to church today saying, why are things the way they are today? There is no doubt many people who've come today to church because we are in a position where we are separated or desperate for God to move. We have situations in our life that require God's attention. We have situations in our family's life who requires God's attention. We have family members who need God. And so we come and we stand in the gap and we make up the hedge and we try to find God and we try to say, God, help this situation. We need you today because there's nobody else who can save. There's nobody else who can move. There's nobody else who can change the situation, but we know what you've done for us. Amen. No doubt every person in this room has a story about where God has brought you from. Amen. Say, I know where God brought me from. That's right. I know where God brought me from. You see, I was that one person who when I was out of church, I did not care about church people. Boy, I didn't want to talk to you. I didn't want to see you. I didn't want to be around you. I was that person, and I've seen them too. Boy, I've seen them, you guys. Walmart, they see a church person. Boy, we got to get to the shoe aisle because there's a Holy Ghost roller over there. Man, I'm telling you, I used to run, 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 and I wasn't running for Jesus. I was running away from Jesus. And the reason why was because I knew in my heart that I needed God. See, a person who walks away from God or rejects God, they don't reject God because they, they don't think they need God. They oftentimes reject God because they feel like they can do it on their own and they're afraid and they have too much pride to acknowledge I need God and I've been there I've been in that situation I've been that person who was laying on the ground amen I have a story about how I was brought out of the miry clay Amen. I believe there's a song that says, He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today. A song of praise. Hallelujah! Why? Because I know I was broken. 
I know that had I been where I am, had I kept going down the road that I was going, that I don't know where I'd be today, but I know I wouldn't be walking where I am walking today. And I know my life wouldn't be on the track that it is today because I have God in my life. I am confident and I know that my life has taken a different road. And so we have to understand that we all have a story about where God has brought us from. And if you have a story, you can think and you probably can look back and remember being sick and tired of being sick and tired of the way things were going. You felt like you needed a different route, but perhaps today you don't have a story. Perhaps you feel like, I don't know, Brother Landry, what you're talking about. I know I don't have a story of where God brought me from. Let me tell you, God wants to give you a story. God wants to give you a story. There's not a person in this room that doesn't have a place that God wants to take you. Yeah, you may not have been a, a, a drug dealer. You may not have been a, you may not have been a thief. You may not have been a, a, somebody who was out just looking to cause all kinds of disruption. You may just have been a normal person living an everyday life. But God wants to take you from where you are to what you're meant to be. He wants to take you from the low to the high. He wants to take you from where you're at to a greater anointing, to a greater purpose, to a greater call. He wants to take you somewhere. And you got to realize God wants to take you from where you are to what you're meant to be. And you see, the devil, like we said, he's, he's a thief. He's a robber. He comes to confuse you. He comes to let you think that you're not worth saving, that you're not worth living. Amen. And you see, the devil would like to convince you that you're okay just the way you are. That Brother Landry is okay just the way you are. Well, look at you, Brother Landry, you're preaching today. That don't matter. God wants to take me to a greater place. God wants to take me to a greater purpose. God wants to take me to a greater calling. Because why? Because every step with God is into something greater. Every step with God that you can take is into something better. Every step with God is going to get you closer and closer to who he is and where he's at. And we, if we can learn to desire that, amen, then we can learn to understand who we are in the story of the Good Samaritan. We're not the Levite. We're not the Good Samaritan. But we're that one who's laying on the ground broken and hurt. And I'm here to show you what the Bible has declared to you. you got to realize that he said that Jesus came. This is Luke 4, 16. He says Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as it was custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And there was delivered into him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and he sat down, and the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. If you're broken, if you're hurt, if you're on the ground and you're half dead, if you're in a situation that you know God needs to move, if you're in a position where you just want to be closer to God, you need to understand that that scripture was spoken for you. That God is here to proclaim liberty to the captive. That God is wanting you to come from where you are to where you're meant to be. That God wants to take you to a new place. Amen. And so today I want to present to you, what if we're not supposed to identify with the Good Samaritan? As much as we are to identify with the man who is left dead, left to die on the side of a road, 
What if the good Samaritan really was Jesus? What if the good Samaritan is not us? What if the good Samaritan was Jesus? What if he put himself in the path of danger and took on himself the suffering that we had caused ourselves and that we had poured out on ourselves and yet he goes out and pours out all of his resources on us? What if we are supposed to identify as the one who needs mercy? What if we are the ones who are supposed to identify as the one who needs the Good Samaritan? You see, I can understand why Jesus would tell this story to a lawyer who was asking him, what should I do to inherit the kingdom of God? You see, just like the good Samaritan was not accepted, Jesus was not accepted in his own land, wasn't accepted by his own people. Isaiah 53, 3-5 says this, He is despised and rejected of men. Despised and rejected of men. Jesus, at one time, still today, despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And, he is, and we hid, as it was, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. We couldn't even recognize Jesus. We're so broken, we're so bruised, we're so torn, we're left half dead, and we despise the very one who's in the position to be able to reach out. you got to realize the good Samaritan was a man who was not accepted in his own land. People didn't like Samaritans. They tried, they, they had a form of godliness, but they, they denied the power. They, they, weren't the, they weren't the same as the Jews. They weren't the same as the Levites. They weren't the same as the priests. They weren't the same. They were different. They were set aside. They did not and were not accepted. And so Jesus tells a story of this man who was rejected and how he was the one who reached out. And the Bible says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried away our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. A God who pours out his resources. you got to understand the Levite and the priest's position. When they were looking at this man who was left half dead on the ground, the, I, no doubt going through their mind is if I go and try to help that man, what, what if he's a pretender? First off, what if the man who robbed him is just waiting around the rocks, waiting on the side of the road for somebody to go help him? And the Levite and the priest think in their mind, if I go help him, then, the, then that thief and that robber might jump out and try to get me while I'm trying to help this man up. Or perhaps the, the, the Levite and the priest thought, well, what if he is a robber? What if he's pretending? What if he's laying on the ground, bruised and broken and all messed up because he's pretending like he's been robbed and if I go over to the, there to help him, then perhaps I might get robbed because he might jump up and try to take my stuff. And you see, there's these things that went through their mind. But you see, Jesus took our place and he paid the price and he picked us back up on our feet. And he did this without considering how much we were unholy, how much we didn't deserve it, how filthy we were, how bad we looked, how disgusting we looked. He didn't consider any of that. He simply saw a need and he said, I'll reach out and I'll touch him. I'll reach out and I'll pick them up from where they're at. 
I'll reach them where they're at. And he did not consider where we were. Why? Because he loved us. It wasn't a matter of decision. It was a matter of He said, I love them. There's not a one of us that if our children were drowning, we wouldn't jump in the water and get them out. Why? Because we love them and we refuse to go see them die without us reaching out. And so our God is the very same way. He loves us so much that he becomes the pro- he becomes the good Samaritan. And he says, oh, I don't care what they look like. I don't care what, they, what it seems like. I don't care if there's another robber around the, around the bend. I'll punch them out. I don't care who's going to come around. I'm going to go help them. I'm going to reach out and touch them. And then I'm going to pour out my resources. I'm going to pour out everything that I have upon them. And so you need to understand that Jesus responded to this man who was questioning, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered him, amen. And you need to understand, we see the parable of the Good Samaritan is not about two men who didn't and one man who did. It's not about that. It is Jesus answering the question of a man who asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And the man in the Bible says uh, that he, he simply was just tempting God. He was simply trying to, trying to show off in front of God, trying to justify himself. Trying to show, well, what do I really need to do? And so, you see, Jesus looks at him and he says... He responds with a simple question. The man asks the question, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And this man is answered with a question. And the question was this. It was a question that almost forecasted the things that were to come by asking him, what if you were bleeding to death on the side of the road and the only hope you had was an act of grace? Oh, an act of grace from an enemy who did not owe you a thing. And so you can begin to see how this man is being answered a question by saying, look, I'm about to go to the cross for you. I'm about to go on to Calvary for you. I'm about to pour out my resources upon you. What do you need to do to inherit eternal life? There ain't a thing you need to do except for follow my plan and follow me because I am about to unravel something that can't be undone. I'm about to go to the cross called Calvary and I'm about to pour out my life. I'm about to be a good I'm about to be a good Samaritan in your life. I'm about to pour out my resources upon your life. Amen. And you see, Jesus gave the man a new reality, a reality of grace. Amen. A reality where we are the ones who need to be saved by grace. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, for by grace are ye saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And so here we are today, understanding that we are not the, we are not the Levite. We are not, we are not the good Samaritan, but we are the one laying on the ground, needing a God, needing a Savior, needing the Lord to step in. And so he does, and he pours out all of his resources on us. Amen. Romans 6, 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The scripture says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead in sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, even so, should we walk in newness of life. You see, the good Samaritan was the one who said, look, come up off the ground. I'm going to help you out. 
I'm going to take you to an inn, and I'm going to put you up, and I'm going to pour out my resources, all my money, everything that I have, I'm going to pour out upon you because I'm going to give to you and give and give and give to you until you're better, until you're, until you're clean, until you're, until you're all fixed up, until you don't have scars, and you don't have, until you don't have bleeding, until you don't have a situation where you're unable to defend yourself. And so you need to know today, God is putting you in a position of helping you so that you don't have to worry. You don't have to look at yourself and see yourself broken, but you can see yourself with a God who cares and loves you so much that he's pouring himself upon you who went to Calvary for you. Amen. It is only when we embrace and receive truth. It is only when we embrace and receive this idea that we are the one in need. That we are the one who needs God. That we are the one who loves and has a desire to be with God. This is when we can begin to look at others with the same kind of mercy and the same kind of grace. And we can begin to pour out into their life the same thing that we received. Now why are we able to pour out grace and mercy and love to others when God has first poured himself into us? It is because when God begins to pour, understand this and I want you to think about this, okay? And you need to think about this in the spiritual realm of your life. When God begins to pour, he doesn't stop pouring. He continues to pour and 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 when it begins to fill up, eventually it gets to the hop of your head and it begins to overflow. And when it overflows it begins to come on the top of somebody else's head and somebody else's head and you begin to reach out and you begin to love and you begin to become the good Samaritan and he said follow me as I follow Christ and so we can only learn to become the good Samaritan when first we've been able to receive from the good Samaritan when we've been able to receive from God amen And so, you need to understand that God has poured out everything for us. He poured out so much. He poured out His life. He poured out everything. Shed His blood on Calvary. Took our place. Paid the price. A price that we could not pay. A price that if today things were the way they were then, we'd have to go to some place and sacrifice something and it wouldn't even cleanse us. It would simply roll our sin ahead. It would simply push it aside for a while. But Jesus said, nah. I'm going to pour out my resources and I'm going to heal them. They are wounded. I'm wounded for their transgressions. I'm bruised for their iniquities. The chastisement of... Amen. you got to realize we've got to be able to call upon Him and know when we need Him. And so it's only when we embrace and receive truth that we can then turn to others and give. And so it is that if you have a need in your life, if you have something in your life that you, that you, that you need God to move on, that you need God to touch, that you need God to heal, that you need God to give you time for, you need to know that God is pouring out His resources. And we can only learn to accept those resources when we learn to follow Him. Had the man got up and walked out of that inn and said, look, I don't need your help. I don't need your resources. I don't need anything you have. If he could have been so arrogant to do so, he'd have never received the healing that he got. But here's a man knowing That he's in need of healing. Knowing he's in need of a touch. Knowing he's in need of, 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 of a clear mind. He allows this man that no doubt shouldn't have helped him at all. Doubt possibly could have looked at him and said he doesn't deserve my help. Ha ha, he's, he's been robbed. 
You need to understand the devil wants to come into your life and he wants to rob you. And if you don't understand it already, you've already been robbed. Because if you don't have God in your life, the devil has robbed you of your relationship and your connection with God. And it is not until we learn to look to God as the good Samaritan and understand that, hey, God, I'm willing to take the resources that you've poured out for me. I'm willing to accept everything that you want to pour out on my life. Then can we learn to understand who he is. Amen. And so it is that we have, if we have a need in our life, if we're sick in our body, Amen. If we are tired in our mind and in our spirit, if we're looking for someone to not just pass us by, Jesus is here today and he wants you to know that the price has already been paid. That the resources have already been poured out and God is wanting to pour into your life and that the hand of God is reaching down into your life to pick you up and all you have to do is walk through the door. Amen. If we go to that scripture that we first began with, it said, Jesus said unto them again, verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep and all that ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them and I am the door and by me if any man enters amen he shall be saved all you have to do is give your life to God and God will pick you up out of the miry clay set your feet on the rock to stay amen God will move in your life amen and if you don't know today you need to know that the Bible has already laid out the plan for you amen Romans 10, 13, all you got to do is call on him. He says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. All you got to do is learn to call upon the name of the Lord. You're in trouble? Call on the name of the Lord. You're on the ground? Call on the name of the Lord. You've been beaten? Call on the name of the Lord. You feel broken from a situation? Call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Amen. He's not going to leave you broken. Believe me. Amen. You got to understand all you got to do today is call on the name of the Lord. And then once you've called, Hebrews 11, 6 says this, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. And he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Acts 16, 31 says, and they said, believe on the Lord. Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, all you and your house. Amen. So you need to call on the Lord. You need to believe on the Lord. You need to repent. The Bible says, Acts 17, 30, and, and the time of his ignorance, God winks at, winked at once, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. If we confess, Romans 10, 9 through 6, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. See, it's not, we, we always get this idea that when we confess, we, we just, we have this little silent prayer in our head, and we're like, But the Bible doesn't say confess with your brain. It doesn't say confess with your mind. It says confess with your mouth. Jesus, I'm a sinner. God, I messed up. God, I need your help. God, I'm in your, I mean, I owe you, God. God, I know you have resources. God, would you pour out your resources upon me, God? I need you. God, I messed up. God, I, I, I did it wrong. And so many times we beat ourselves up because we get God's forgiveness. We, we go and we confess and then we walk out the door and then we mess up again and we think, boy, we're done. That's it. No more chances. I'm thankful. 
I'm thankful to God that he says, you know what? Get, get up. Come on. Keep on going. Because you know what? No doubt when he helped that man up, no doubt that man was laying in the ground. And when he first helped him up, he might have he tried to get up. And no doubt there was a couple times that he slipped and a couple times that he fell and a couple times that he didn't. It wasn't an easy. Oh, I, I, no doubt that man didn't just. No. It took some time. It took some effort. It took some, some realization that, you know what? You know what? I need God's help. I need this man's help. I, I, need, I need to get to where I'm going, but I can't get to where I'm going unless I let somebody help me. Amen. <coughs> and so we move on where we have to confess with our mouth and confess with our spirit. Mark 16, 15 through 16. We don't just stop there, but we've got to be baptized in his name. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature that, that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You see, he laid it out for us. He said, look, all you got to do is you got to believe. You got to confess. You got you to realize that you need God's help. And then when you confess and you believe and you're baptized, you can be saved. Acts 2.38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And here's the important part, in the name of Jesus Christ. Not in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Not in the name of the Father and the uncle and the sister. But in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of your sins. And you shall receive the gift. Oh, that gift of grace. That gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, that's going to work in your life. Where the Bible says that the Holy Ghost will lead you. And it will guide you. Amen. Tonight, I'm, or today I'm closing. If I could get some help up here with the music. If you need God and you're broken, you're hurting, and it's not always, don't get me wrong, it's not always that you're hurting because you're, you're a sinner or that you're, you're the worst person in the world. That's not what this is. God doesn't care if you're the worst person in the world or you just need his help. If you just need to talk to him. God, I need you. You can be the best person in the world, but I believe you still need God. I still need God's resources. I still need God's word. I still need God's favor. I still need God's blessings. There's not a one of us in here that if God said, hey, I'm going to pour out a blessing on you, you'd be like, no, 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 no. I don't need that, good Samaritan. I don't, I don't need your blessing. I don't need your resources, God. Don't do that. Don't, don't bless me. I'd be like, God, pour it out, God. Pour it out on me. Help me to become a better man. Help me to become a better father. Help me to become a better brother. Help me to become a better whatever I can be, God. Help me because I need you. Amen. Leaving you with more than you were found. God looks down and he says, yeah. I can help him. And so, if you could stand with me today. You need to know today, God doesn't want to leave you where you were found. That none of us are called to be left where we're found because there's a God who cares and who's pouring out his resources. Ephesians 6 and 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The devil's going to come back around. Unfortunately, when we, get, when we get God in our life, the devil doesn't just leave us alone. 
He comes around. He, he puts his little face where it doesn't belong. But you need to understand that God has given us the ability to resist him. He's given us. He hasn't left us the way he found us. He's given us resources. He's given us opportunities. He's given us, he's given us great things where he goes on to say, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand you will stand therefore having your learns girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shed with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked He's not leaving you where he found you. He's not leaving you without resources. Oh, he's leaving you in a better place. He's leaving you in a better opportunity to move forward. Amen. He's leaving you for a better place today. And so today I want to invite everybody up to the front. Come on up because we want to talk to God and say, God, thank you for being my good Samaritan. Thank you for pouring out your resources on me, God. Amen. You gotta realize that we are we are put in a position to claim victory. We are put in a position to claim salvation. We are put in a position to claim hallelujah. Blessing. Romans 8. That is as it is written, for thy sake are you killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He loved me. He loves you. He's pouring out his resources today upon you. Raise your hands today and begin to love him and thank him for those resources. Amen. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature is going to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Right now is your opportunity to find God and find his resources and say, God, pour them out on me. Hallelujah. The resources of God are being poured out right now. The resources of God are being poured out in your life. Amen. God is looking down and he sees the faith of those that are saying, bring it on. Bring into me, God. Pour into me so I can pour into others. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. God, pour it out. Yes. Right now, the altars are open. Right now, God's moving. Right now, God's blessing. Right now, God's resources are greater than they've ever been before because he's flooding. He's opening up the floodgates of heaven and he's letting it rain. Hallelujah. Let it rain in your life today. song is a prayer unto the Lord. It was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ.
Amen. Amen. God is doing a work. Amen. God is moving in your life today. God has a purpose for each and every one of us today. And we ought to be thankful that God has moved and God has given us more than we could ever, ever, ever give Him. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. Tonight we have service. We're going to dismiss this service right now in Jesus' name, but take this with you. Don't let this stop here. Don't let this end here. Take this with you and understand, God, I need your resources, God. God, I need your love. I need your favor. Help me, God. Pour into me so much that I can pour into others. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed until service tonight. Take this with you in Jesus' name.